Mid-market-sized businesses are where the true economic action in business really is. They are nimble and agile. They're factories of growth, they lead in innovation, and they're early adopters of tech. These enterprises need the right tools, support and environment to flourish. But sadly, they're often overlooked and undervalued. Not here though. This is the Mid-Market Matters podcast, and I'm your host, Craig West. We'll explore pain points, growth strategies, and how to find the competitive edge. Welcome to SME Radio. On today's episode, we're going to talk to Daniel Murray. We've talked to Daniel before, and we got a lot of good feedback around some of the content around getting rid of being busy. We're also going to talk today, though, about COVID-19. How do you lead a business that's in the middle of probably the biggest disruptive event the world's seen, certainly in my lifetime, leadership in a crisis under COVID-19. What are businesses doing? What do leaders need to be doing? And how do we work through that process? Daniel, thanks for joining us. Empathic Consulting, I love the name, but it certainly speaks to a little bit of what you do. So maybe give us a bit of background and how did you end up here? Yeah, sure. Look, the way it came about was I spent a, a long career in strategy and management consulting, particularly in large financial services organisations in Australia and New Zealand. And what I came to understand was that we were doing a lot of good strategy work. We were building a lot of good ideas and the data and the analysis was done really well. But we were struggling to really understand an intangible element within that strategy or within the way that it came together. And that was understanding how we really engaged people, uh, culture, values, Uh, really this human side of business, which is critical, but doesn't fit well into spreadsheets. So empathic consulting is really our response to that. How do we understand better and and help leaders to, to navigate through some of the human elements of business and then weave that into the strategy and the operating model in a really pragmatic and powerful way so that it drives results? And obviously, you must be a bit busy at the moment. There's a fair bit going on at the moment that needs exactly that kind of input. Leadership can be a lonely and stressful place to be at the best of times. You know, with lots of people having their offices cleared out, leaders and and people are sitting at home uh, trying to juggle family, trying to juggle the the, the lack of the breaking of all of their routines and and then dealing with the, the real and present either financial stress the economic pressures, or in some cases, the overwhelm of of new inquiries and and challenges coming in. I think leadership's a a really challenging time now, and and not all of that's easy to predict or understand. You know, you only have to look at the, the toilet paper hoarding to know that we're not playing on a rational playing field at the moment. And there's lots of uh, lots of challenges for us to deal with. And I think, look, it's fair to say leadership's bloody difficult. It's hard work. At the best of times, we're in the worst of times and there's people not behaving rationally. There's lots of things going on out in the community. To be a leader in that environment is even more difficult and more impactful. Yeah, look, I think that's right. And look, the, the other thing, the other side of that coin, though, is that there's never been a better time to show you're someone worth following. There's never been a better time to step into that void in a crisis and say, actually, you know what, I am going to take some action here. I'm going to I'm going to step up and be the person who's worth following. And, and those people who take that position and do it well, they'll have a very bright future off the back of this crisis. Now, I think that's a really important role that leaders need to play right now. 
how do they do that? I mean, you've got a leader who's running a business, as you said, most of their workforce is probably not in the office, part of them are at home, some of them are working on reduced hours or whatever it might be. What do leaders need to start thinking about to get their head around this and what do they need to start doing? I think the, the first thing is just getting their attitude towards this you know, really clear, getting their intentions really clear on how they want to lead through this crisis. And I see three, let me make a, a little bit comical ways that I see these things happen. One is is the echidna, you know, and the way an echidna deals with trouble is it rolls itself into a ball and, and hides. <laughs> and I'm seeing some leaders do that at the moment. They're overly protective. They're sort of looking inwards and, and trying to avoid all of the nasties in the world. And the problem with that approach is that the outside world who you need to be a part of, whether it be your staff, your your customers, your stakeholders, all they feel when you do that is those prickly barbs. And so the echidna methodology, when the person unravels and, and, and they might feel safe, they actually feel like they're really isolated and alone. The, the second way I see things happen is, you know, more like the ostrich. They, they start by putting their head in the sand and pretending everything's okay. Uh, we, we saw that through some global leaders did took the, the ostrich approach early on when they realised that things aren't okay, they're running around getting their feathers plucked. The approach we need to take from a leadership position is to really have the mentality of the shepherd. We need to find our flock, we need to find our herd, to find our people, and we need to extend those boundaries. It's not just your staff or just your customers, it's your whole ecosystem, all the people who, who you impact. You've got to think of them as your herd and, and you've got to be courageous enough to step into that space and say, I'm going to to help these people and, and support these people through. And that's the role of a leader in, in this time. It's, it's to be courageous in the face of this fear and, and step in and take action where it's needed. It's interesting you use the analogy of a shepherd because it is actually a combination of protection, you know, direction, leadership, you know, guiding the flock to where you want them to end up, but also protecting them and I guess there's people out there that are going to be scared they're going to be worried about their job they're going to be worried about their home loan or their mortgage or their rent or their whatever it might be um, it's not a great time for people to not have a leader in place and I guess there's a bit of that lack of as you said if you've got an ostrich or even worse an echidna you know you're just not getting any of that leadership this is this is the time when people need that sense of direction and one of the things we know about um, the human brain is that it hates uncertainty. It, it uh, People often mistake that with change. It's not really change we hate, it's uncertainty. It's not being sure of what's coming. Our brains are really designed to un reduce uncertainty in the world. And, and in these times of uncertainty, we look for those people who give us confidence. They look for those people who, who give us a sense that Look, we don't know exactly how, but we're going to get through this if we, we stay together. And, and, and that's the role a leader needs to play. Okay, so we've got leaders in businesses from, you know, small to medium-sized businesses where they're probably not come up through some sort of management training or leadership training program. They're actually leading the business because they started it and it's in their family or they were the founder. Um, so they don't have a lot of academic training or leadership training, but they've found themselves in the middle of that business as a leader and people naturally looking to them. You talk about empathy and it's in the name of your business. Tell us about that and how that how important that is in terms of leadership. I believe it's critical all the time um, and, and maybe a bit of definition there. We get, we get these things mixed up sometimes. Empathy yeah. is not, in my view, feeling the emotions of other people. It's not just about emotions. It's not uh, walking in someone else's shoes because if I'm coaching a leader, I'll say, I don't care about your experience in your shoes. We need to care about their experience in their shoes of, of the people we're looking to serve. 
And so um, empathy yeah. is really about understanding why people do what they do and understanding what's driving them, what, what's influencing them, what's the, um, what are all these different factors that are playing into their decision-making. Now, in times of crisis, what happens is all of the things that used to influence influence people and therefore the the small amount of predictability people had seems to vanish and disappear. You know, if I said to you, Craig, uh, in January, hey, mate, you better go out and buy 400 rolls of toilet paper because things are about to get tough, <laughs> you would have put me yeah. in the loony bin. The reality is, though, in times of crisis, these drivers change really rapidly. We're getting different signals from different parts of the world. We're getting different influences from our friends and family, from political leaders, from all of these different angles. The soup in our head is getting all of these extra ingredients popped into it. And as leaders, we need to try and keep an understanding of how that's changing for critical people in our world. So if you're thinking about your employees and how do we used to motivate them, what used to get them firing on all cylinders, what kept them productive, all of those factors that worked in January, in December and January, might not work anymore. They might have completely changed because this person's world has changed. And so my challenge to leaders is how do you understand what's going on in the worlds of of those people enough that you can understand those influences and then be able to play into them? So I'm interested in what you would advise leaders to do, because I think that's absolutely right, clearly. But how do they actually do that? If they're not trained, if they're not, you know, they're not, they haven't been to leadership training or school or they haven't done a management degree and maybe they're inexperienced, but they're a leader anyway, what are some of the key things they can actually do? One thing I'd probably point out is part of the reason why I, I built Empathic Consulting is that much of this isn't talked about in MBAs and leadership yes. training. So yep. the, the key thing here is, as a leader, am I, am I willing to be really curious? Am I willing to take the time to ask questions, to park my own assumptions and, and really explore? It's interesting how some organisations at the moment are responding and, and pivoting quickly. And we can sort of look at those uh, pivots. Like an example is you can buy bread and milk through McDonald's drive through right? If I told you that last year, you would have thought I was yeah, absolutely. losing my mind. What we often look at is we see the innovation and go, oh, wow, that's a really clever innovation. And we think that it just came out of a spark of genius somewhere. And in, in fact, it comes out of curiosity. It comes out of someone saying, hey, what are, what are people really struggling with? What are some of the challenges people are facing? And what are the different things we might be able to do that we've never done before that might allow us to respond to that? It takes a different mindset because particularly you think about McDonald's, they are a rigid, do it exactly this way, follow the steps, here's the manual. They have a fairly rigid mm, process in their much. operating model. But what we see is their leaders are willing to take that curious step and say, well, what else could we do? What else might be possible here? That's the sort of first port of call to then step into, well, if I'm willing to ask those questions and I need to go and build empathy with the people I work with and, and the customers to understand what's going on and, and, and what solution is going to fit their needs. I've got two different types of clients that I'm working with at the moment. Some of them are really struggling. You know, we've got a major events company, people that are doing conferences and public speaking and so on. Every event they've got in their forward books being cancelled for the next six to eight months. They've got no income coming in at all. So they're focused on cutting costs. On the other side, I've got a client in Perth who supplies pasta 
to supermarkets, he has never been busier. <laughs> happy days. So, yeah, happy days for him and good stuff. But I guess there are two questions that come out of that. For the businesses that are struggling, how do we cut costs without completely destroying the whole place is the first point. And mm-hmm. secondly, then, for other businesses where we've got opportunity, how do we take advantage of that? Let's start with a hard one first. How do you go about cutting costs without destroying the joint? It can be a really challenging thing. And um, I actually, I've, I've written a white paper that I'm happy to send out to people if they just send me a note, I'll, I'll send it out to them, which is a five-step guide on this. And of course, it's high level, but it, it'll give you the sort of the major points. And the first thing um, I always talk about here is, and there's a few key ingredients. One is getting very clear on on your numbers and what number you need to get to. So if you've got to cut costs, have a target in mind and be very clear on what that target is. It gives people a sense of certainty and it gives you a sense of something to accomplish. People who just have to cut costs rapidly or randomly, it just doesn't work. And, and you know, as an accountant, you'll know that people who don't have yeah. specific ideas or benchmarks, it's really tough to keep control of these things. But the other thing when you're setting up is, and this is something I've worked with a couple of clients on recently, set an intention around the guiding principles that you're going to take into this cost-cutting process. Know what what's really important, not the numbers, but know what's really important to your business. I, I ran a large um, cost-cutting program, over $100 million of cost-cutting, for a large bank um, many years ago, and uh, and we set out these guiding principles of things like don't get rid of people until you get rid of the work that they do, because what we found was we'd fire some people, we'd fire some lower level managers or assistants, and then the work that they used to do had to get done by their managers, right? So far yeah. more expensive yeah. resource work that used to cost us fifty grand a year is now costing us one hundred and fifty grand a year. And it has to get done because it's compliance or, or you know, process-driven work. So getting these guiding principles helps you determine how you're going to go about things. So you might say, look, we're not going to get rid of anything that customers love. And I'd recommend that as a, as a good guiding principle because you start yeah. cutting stuff that the people, that your customers love, you end up with a business that is cheaper, is lower cost, but you don't have any customers left. Yeah. Um, yeah, it defeats just, the purpose to a certain extent. It does. And so uh, setting out these guiding principles, and, and you know, there's a heap of them that we can unpack with people, but getting really clear on, okay, this is how we're going to make tough decisions. This is the way in which we're going to go through that. The second part around cutting costs is getting your team involved. I wouldn't recommend just bringing a team of consultants in with their hatchets and letting them loose. Um, yeah. when, when I work with businesses on this, I insist that we have an internal team who own this thing and own the process, and I provide guidance and support to them. But you want your internal people to be leading and driving this change, and you as the leader want to play the steering role. You don't want to necessarily be in there getting your hands dirty in this stuff all the time. We do ideation sessions where we get as many of the people in the business in a room and say, right, guys, here's our intention. Here's here's what we need to get to. Here are our guiding principles. We all need to, to do this. Here's the team that's going to be uh, leading the charge. Now, we want every idea you've possibly got on how we can cut costs in this business. Something magical happens when you ask that question to everyone. Yeah. Little tiny things come up that you never heard of before. A couple of thousand bucks here and a thousand bucks there. And all these little things come up that people go, well, 
you know what, this doesn't really matter that much. Yep. Your people start doing the trade-off, right, between, wow, if I get rid of this, I might save my job or my mate's job. Let's let's work together on how do we bring this thing to a, to a resolution. And working with your people is going to be critical. The last step in the cost-cutting is turn this, this exercise into an ongoing program of, look, the way we do things around here it has to keep getting better and better. So it's a continuous improvement culture. Everyone's going to keep looking for opportunities from now on. Organisations like Toyota have mastered this at a massive scale. They're just never satisfied. They just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And it's not a cost-cutting program anymore, right? It might have been, but now it's actually it's about efficiency and, and, yep. and getting better. What are some of the opportunities you're seeing out there now? The, the, the market's changed. There are businesses out there that are absolutely flying, but there are also lots of opportunities as things change. You've, we've already seen lots of media coverage around a gin distillery that's now making hand sanitizer and businesses that were producing other products, clothing, for example, are now making masks or whatever. What other opportunities are you seeing out there? Yeah, I think we need to think about these opportunities in waves as well, right? Because as amazing it is uh, to see the gin distilleries doing that and, and credit to them, those sorts of rapid innovations are great they'll only last for a certain period of time. And, and and again, I want us to sort of step back from the wonder of the innovation into the process you need to build to find these opportunities constantly, because I think that process is transferable across a lot of industries now. What we need to do is think about what are the emerging needs in the marketplace? Uh, clearly, the demand that's come for pasta, rice, bread, toilet paper, nappies, all of these things, that, that demand's been obvious and clear and, and people have sort of stepped into yeah. those spaces. Those demands are going to change, though, over the next few weeks and months. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's, it's about, I think, helping people think about what those changes might be. Part of the thing I'm thinking from my perspective, and, and maybe this is to reach out to your uh, clients who are in the conference space, I, I feel their pain as a professional speaker. I I do love the conferences as well. But one thing that's really apparent to me is everyone's sort of set up now working from home. Lots of big businesses have sent people home. They're all set up and working. What those businesses are going to need soon is a way to continue to invest in those people, to connect with them, to communicate, to share a sense of their values and and, and invest in those people in a way that improves their engagement and skill set. So I think there's going to be a big opportunity for for smart organisations in the conference space to go, okay, the business model of big event, 2,000 people in a room, that's not going to fly. But the needs of our clients, still, there's still clients who have needs which match our skill sets. We're amazing at bringing an experience into, you know, into people's lives that inspire them and motivate them and give them skills and opportunities to, to learn and grow. If that's our skill set, how do we deploy that in a way that fits in the new environment? Yeah. And how do we wrap a business model around that so we don't give it all away for free? The opportunities here are for rapid innovation, for, for quick testing, and really for companies to continue to do what we should always be doing, which is what are the needs of the market? What, what are the needs of different groups of people? I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old and I have a, a brand new appreciation for the, the wonders of daycare. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's a big need in our household for for something that's going to deeply engage a, a, a toddler for 
you know, an hour and a half at a time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That isn't necessarily being filled. There's stuff out there, but there's a, there's a market there, and um, and there's definitely an opportunity for for organisations to find those find those pockets that weren't necessarily their old customers, but you know they can still reposition their resources and skills to deploy into that new space. Yeah, okay. It's an interesting approach just to have a look at rather than what's the quick fix what's the process we can design and develop to continually look for that. A bit like you said around the cost cutting at Toyota, it's no longer cost cutting, it's now just ongoing improvement. The same thing with innovation and opportunities. And this is why that echidna is such a dangerous approach, right? Part of being able to do that is to say, well, how the hell do I know what what's going in the, on in the lives of of customers and people out in the marketplace? Yeah. Unless I've got empathy, unless I've got a channel to go out and explore and and get that information unless I've got relationships with different business partners in the market. You know, we're doing some some leadership cohorts where we're getting groups of leaders together, uh, mainly sort of mid-tier businesses uh, where the leaders are feeling a bit lonely, I guess, and we're sort of getting them together and having conversations. And they're finding that, oh, actually, we've got customers who need these things and we can't work with them on. And, and how can we collaborate differently to, to bring that all that bring that all together? We've seen this a little bit with you know some of the airlines and 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 I think Woolworths and and Qantas uh, looking at sharing staff because there's those skill sets there that they've got. Uh, I think it was even some um, idea that the some of the Virgin staff have first aid training, so can we use them in some of the clinics and uh, and yep. other uh, opportunities like that? It's that thinking about how do I stay out in the market, connected with people, building relationships. And, and building empathy to understand what's going on that we just can't afford to turn off at this point in time. Okay, there's lots of good ideas coming out here. Before we wrap up, can I ask you your number one tip for business owners and or leaders, because they're probably the same thing in the current environment or in any crisis, we're in a big crisis at the moment, but there are lots of these, type, hopefully nothing like this, but there are lots of crises that happen in businesses. What's yep. your number one tip for leaders in a crisis? What's the first thing they should be doing? My number one tip is we don't need you to be a hero. We don't need knights in shining armour. We don't need geniuses with all the answers because the reality is they just don't exist. What we need is people who are leaders who are looking after themselves, leaders who are getting help where they need it, who are open to taking on advice and who are open and curious to you know lots of questions, to being challenged. We need leaders who sort of step in with the vulnerability of someone that says, I know things are bad and I'm, I'm you know, feeling the pain as well, but also the confidence to say, I'm sure we can work this out together and we're going to make sure we've got everything we need to be as successful as we can. Really, it's that leadership attitude of I'm going to turn up to this as trying to be the hero that, that kills the dragon or am I going to turn up to this uh, open, vulnerable, but ready to, to learn and grow and, and work with lots of other people. And I think, you know, if I get offer one suggestion to, to all leaders, it's connect with other leaders. If you if you don't have a network that's strong already, um, find one. We've got some you know, cohorts, as I said, that we're building, but there's, there's lots of different ways you can do it. And I'd really suggest to everyone, spend more time talking to people, spend more time talking to your staff, to your stakeholders, your customers, to peers, like pick the phone up, talk to your competitors and go, look, I know you're struggling too because we are. Let's work out how we can work together through this. There's never been a better time 
to prove you're a leader worth following than right now. And, and these are the sorts of things we need our leaders to do to be prepared for that time. Fantastic, mate. How do people contact you? You mentioned a couple of things that you're doing with leadership cohorts and a few other groups. I sat in on one of those the other day. It was really useful and very helpful. So uh, I'd encourage people to get involved. How do people get in touch with you? We're doing webinars. We're doing uh, offering coaching, all sorts of things. So there's lots of ways that we can help. And I often publish white papers and and send them out to to clients as well to, to help them through. Easiest way uh, either send me an email, so daniel at empathicconsulting.com or, or just search for Daniel Murray on LinkedIn at Empathic Consulting there and you'll find me on, on LinkedIn as well. Really happy to, to speak to anyone. If anyone's you know really struggling, just wants to have a half hour chat, drop me a note, we'll set up a time. I'm, I'm more than happy to help people in this time because it's, it's now when we all need to you know, we all need to find ways to support each other and, and help each other through these changing times. And it's the only way we're all going to get out of this together. Mate, fantastic. Thank you for that. And uh, it's been great having you on board. Pleasure, mate. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to SME Radio, proudly produced by Eagle Wave Small Business Podcasting Platform. For more great episodes like this, go to smea.org.au. Remember, if you have a story to tell, we want to share it. Yeah.